back to the Hoops Temple podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Joining me from Sacramento, Aaron Schroeder. Good to see you guys. And joining us from New Zealand, Dylan Williamson. Good morning. Guys, deadline in the books. Nothing eventful happened, right? Not at all. <laughs> I'm Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> The, the people listening from um, Chicago were like, yeah, nothing happened, right? The what deadline? <laughs> Trades? Oh, that happened? Even trade players? <laughs> we're not stuck with uh, DeRozan for the rest of his career? No, but what? I came on here like two weeks ago and said, man, I hope that it's not a quiet deadline. I hope some stuff actually happens. Well, something and, happened. And it delivered. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Kevin Durant is now in Phoenix. How are we feeling? This is the biggest trade in NBA history just in terms of assets moved. Looking at everything that happened, Phoenix got KD and TJ Warren. Brooklyn picked up Mikhail Bridges, who's a really good player. Cam Johnson, who I like. A 2023, 25, 27, and 29 unprotected first-round pick. And a 2028 swap, plus two seconds. Is there? I've never seen so many assets moved. We just saw this with Anthony Davis. That's. I don't think that's as much though. I mean, Davis, Mikael Bridges is good, really good right now, and same with Cam Johnson and um. And Brandon I, Ingram is not. He he was at, at the time, um, and even Jay Crowder was involved. Now this is actually a a, a a four teamer technically, because of the players that got looped around. But four unprotected first round picks. There's no protections the on that. The other thing that makes it even more um. I guess impressive is that this happened at the deadline where we've seen a lot of like major trades in recent history, like even, you know, Gobert and Mitchell. Um, but normally those sorts of things happen in the off season where you've got a, you know, a whole season to reconstruct your team and, um, you know, get, you don't, you don't miss half of the player season, but this is the, probably the biggest deal to ever happen mid season at the deadline. At least the most consequential deal, if not the biggest, as far as sheer package. I mean, you don't usually have guys in MVP conversation that, that get moved. And Durant is now on a different team. Um, I was initially pretty worried about Phoenix's lack of depth, uh, giving up every big wing defender. And I also, I just love the fact that Brooklyn was like, we want Jay Crowder in this. Because like, you, you probably could have gotten Landry Shamit. You probably could have gotten someone technically better than Jay Crowder at this point. But they're like, no. We're not going to leave him there and then have him be like, oh, hey, guys, kumbaya, I'm back now that Durant's here. They're like, we're going to take him, too. Yeah, you wonder if, like, that aspect is a little bit of, like, a tiny bit of new owner syndrome where, like, in general, I think this trade is pretty reasonable. You know, like, you're getting possibly the best player in the NBA, so you're going to give up a huge package. But the fact that they also had to give up Jay Crowder and, you know, even, like, seconds and a swap and couldn't even, like, get, like, Royce O'Neal or Joe Harris back to, like, fill out the rotation. You know, like, the Nets have too many of these fucking guys, and they couldn't even, like, get, like, one role player back. Oh, they got TJ Warren. I suppose. Not yeah. in favor. That, that's, I suppose, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Well, I do want to, to make it clear that um, I had mentioned two seconds coming back to Brooklyn. Those came from when they flipped Jay Crowder immediately back to to Milwaukee, which I I thought was huge right. for Milwaukee as well. I'm just gonna yeah, say I called sure. it. Called it. 
Literally, I posted a video where saying they were going to flip him for two seconds, and then the initial report came out five seconds, and everyone was like, oh my god, five seconds for Jay Crowder? Which, I don't know how you guys are feeling about second rounds. Are they, are they like, super valuable? Are they completely unvaluable? Like, They're, for the most part, completely devoid of value. I mean, there's, just... there's some trade pieces you can do with them, but when you're actually drafting like with the 45th pick, you're like, oh man, not yeah. as cool. I mean, it, it depends a little bit. Like if I'm getting Milwaukee second rounders, then it's basically valueless. If I'm getting like Detroit second rounders, you know, that's, that's like two picks away from being a first round pick. Yeah, but how often do those first round picks even hit? Like, we, whenever we say first round, no, we're not. We're gonna focus back on Durant. We're not going down this rabbit hole yet. <laughs> uh, give us an hour. Um, but I really, I, I like them getting back Jay Crowder. It's not completely nothing. Um, and then their second move of the day, trading Saric for Darius Baisley, gives them another big versatile wing. I, I definitely think this vaults them back into contender status. I think this. Gives them a, a pretty strong future. I know Durant's already older, but it's not old. He is pretty old, but this this year in Phoenix is they they they're all in for the championship right now. And, I, and you tend to look at okay, what's gonna happen? But what's gonna happen is Chris Paul is gonna get old and more expensive, and Durant's gonna get older. But this season right now, I think they have to be the favorites. Only because they haven't had that time to gel, do you kind of sit like, okay, like let's see what this is before we just crown them, crown them title favorites. But Phoenix was really good before Devin Booker got hurt, and then he, him getting hurt, kind of derailed this middle part of the season for them. But they, they could have made, they could have won a playoff series without Kevin Durant. Now add Kevin Durant, it's championship kind of ceilings. Interesting that you say they're the favorite. I mean, when I first saw this deal reported, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, you put Kevin Durant on the Suns, like. That's your championship favorite. Like this is over, um, but to to your point earlier, Nate, the lack of depth, um, I do think is going to be a factor. Even though you know, as you point out, they were able to get Warren, they were able to bring in Baisley, who could help in potential matchups. Um, like their five through eight is kind of pretty rough. Um, you add in the fact that Chris Paul is liable to pull a hamstring at any moment, and then like. That's you know you've you've just got a a lot of reliance in Damian Lee at that point, um, which I you know for a team that's trying to win a championship, I'm not comfortable with that level of reliance on Damian Lee. Yeah, there is significant low back potential on this. Uh, I did just pull up Durant. He is he will turn 35 this calendar year. Um, I I don't know why I was thinking he was like 30 or 32, but at 35 with picks going out over the next. Eight years? Twenty-nine? Yeah. I don't like it. I mean six years. Next like, six years. Um this Durant, this could Durant really back like yeah, I mean Durant is like old as a person, but you like look at the way that he's playing this year, he might be like better than he's ever been. Like his efficiency as a scorer is just yeah. ridiculous. His ability his... to like protect the rim, rebound, like he's yes, he's getting old, but he's definitely not regressing. His game will age gracefully, that's for sure. But I really... The, the lack of depth... And they've already been rumored to potentially be in the Reggie Jackson conversation. And I yeah, think when you are in 
in the rumor for Reggie Jackson to address your depth issues, that says how bad your depth issues are. I think depth might be a little bit overrated if you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant on the same team. Another aspect I am worried about, though, is if DeAndre Aiden is still good. Because this season, he's just he's been terrible in terms of essentially the Suns are a shitty team when he's playing and are much, much better when he's not playing. If that's an attitude issue, that's a coaching thing. If that's just he's just not bought in, now's the time to buy in, to flip that switch and be an impactful player. Because right now, the Suns are just much better when Bismack Biombo plays because he actually defends the rim and DeAndre Ayton hasn't been. I'm curious to see where that goes for him. Listen, if you'd said that last week, I'd be 100% with you. Um, but over the basically the last four games, he has been much more engaged. Um, I forget which one they were missing, Booker or Paul. Uh, but he's basically at, he's at like 28 points, 11 rebounds over the last four. <laughs> um, and, and I had made some mock trades trying to just basically salary dump him. Uh, and I, I had a lot of Phoenix Suns fans being like, no, 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 no. He's, he's clicking. He's figuring it out. And maybe... Maybe this is it. Maybe he's he is figuring it out and it's ready to go for it. I hope so, man. I mean, I don't hope so. I hope I hope the whole thing crashes and burns and the Kings <laughs> yeah. have a But in for his sake and for Phoenix's sake, this is this is a fucking crazy team. Um, I am worried about Chris Paul's health, but I feel like if you're Phoenix, you're like you have to do this. You have to pull the trigger on a trade like this. It makes you <laughs> it title. It makes you title favorites. And, yeah, I, I love a team going for it. I hate the team sticking in the middle of the road trying the two timelines things. But who do you guys even think is the fifth starter? Who would you put in that rotation? Richie Jackson. Earl <laughs> <laughs> Myth. I mean, is Tory Craig still starting? Yeah, probably. I mean, potentially. Like, I mean, Warren's probably their fifth best player, but like he, he's been playing really low minutes as he's coming back from you know, multiple major injuries. And so I don't know if you just want to ramp him right up to, you know, 35 minutes a game as the as the starter. So maybe it is Tory Craig starts for now and um, you hope that you can bring Warren along in time for the playoffs. But he's not a high-minutes player at this stage. Yeah. Neither is Darius Baisley. After having a really good last couple of seasons with Oklahoma, they've kind of replaced him with J-Dub? There's J. Will and there's J. Dub, and I forget which is which, but I'm trying to stick to it. I think number eight is J. Dub uh, in the rotation. But basically, I like to call him the good Jalen Williams. Dude, he's good. Mm-hmm. He's he's got some Patrick Williams vibes, but like better. <laughs> you guys have Tory Craig is 32. <laughs> I just I was seeing that on Basketball Reference and did not make me feel better about uh, Phoenix's situation. <laughs> He came to the league at 27. All right, is there any other comments on the Durant trade? Anything from the Nets perspective? I'm a little bit surprised Brooklyn didn't do more at the deadline. I thought they had a lot of great assets that they could have continued to flip and acquire more picks. Uh, I think it was Zach Lowe mentioned something about hearing three picks for uh, Mikhail Bridges trying to get in the OG Ananobi market or teams that weren't being able to pry OG trying to pivot to Mikhail. Um, yeah, I saw um, a report today that the Grizzlies offered three unprotected first-round picks for Bridges to the Nets. I guess I, I don't was, know. I thought, I thought it was four. Yeah, it was three, three, three unprotected and four total. Mm. That fourth may be a swap or 
a predicted pick, but yeah, three unpredicted. That's in a weird spot because this is a pretty good team. They're going to make the playoffs. They're, they have a good record, and Cam Johnson's good, and Dinwiddie's pretty good, and Kill Bridges and Cam Johnson, and they're not. I don't, you know, they're not finals contenders, but this team will probably just hum along and, and make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they're sitting in fifth right now. They're eleven games above five hundred. This is a five hundred team, which means they'll probably end, you know, close to fifty wins on the season. So they will be a playoff team, but I don't entirely know that they should. I mean, they don't have their picks, so. There's, there's no real point in hanking, tanking, unless you can get a lot of picks for these guys. Like, they'll be able to do that in the offseason, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think, um, is Royce O'Neill on an expiring contract? He'd be the one guy that I thought that they could have tried to move on, but maybe they just didn't have time, like, working out this whole Durant trade to, like, then go and, you know, call 15 different GMs to see if they could get a first round pick for Royce O'Neill. Maybe. Before we move on, that was technically a four-team trade because the Pacers ended up getting um, George Hill and Serge Ibaka, Jordan Noir. Is it Noara, right? Jordan Noir? Noir, yeah. And three three second-round picks. Yeah, and three seconds. So they were part of this just a little bit. Um, You get anything from Phoenix or Milwaukee, but they kind of were involved in the Crowder sweepstakes. Serge Ibaka will probably get bought out. I'm guessing George Hill's going to get bought out, although the the, re- the coming home, the homecoming for a lot of players this uh, <laughs> this trade deadline, Jordan uh, George Hill being one of them. And John Wall back to Houston. His favorite place. He loves it there. You guys did him so dirty with that move. I'm <laughs> sorry. You, that's just not okay. He just made a oh. podcast saying about he like hated him, hated his life. Is the worst thing he ever did is play in Houston. They're like, that's cool. Here's the plane ticket. <laughs> so before we move off of Phoenix, um, I did just kind of want to touch on that Houston move. Um, there's there's a lot of guys about to get bought out. John Wall is getting bought out. Uh, Danny Green is potentially getting bought out. You mentioned Serge Ibaka, maybe George Hill, Reggie Jackson. They're like... There's about Terrence to be a Russell lot of guys. Out. John or, or John Wall. Um, was Russell Westbrook maybe getting bought out? Pat Beverly maybe getting bought out? Like, I know no um, buyout guy has ever really flipped uh, a championship. Um, that I think the closest we got was Marco Bellinelli that one year in Philadelphia, where he was like weirdly crucial to their playoff run. Um, I feel like also well, some, Ursan Ilyasova had a really good run, but what, this was Wes Matthews year. a buyout guy when he joined the Bucks? Because he he started for the oh, Bucks. Yeah, and was it their championship season? Waived by the Knicks in 2019, signed by the Pacers in 2019. Um, so no, it was not the championship year that he got right. waived and then signed. It was in the off season, right? Okay. But I'm just just saying, like, there's some good names on the market that can provide something um, to teams. I mean, yeah, I'm sure maybe, maybe. pretty good. Like Patrick Beverly can still play playoff minutes. The Terrence Ross buyout was shocking. I've been trying to trade this dude at the deadline, my <laughs> trade machine, for for 15 years. The Magic could he was he's been on the team since 2016. Since for seven seasons, and they just bought him out. Anticlimactic ending for 
Terrence Ross tenure in Orlando. It needed to end. I'm just glad, you know, sometimes yeah, you just got to be little, happy that's done. He's a little bit of a hard one to deal with because he's like slightly too good to play for and, and too old to play for the type of team that the Magic are. But he's also not a playoff player, and so he doesn't fit on a contender. And so it's yeah. it's kind of a, a weird thing to try to find a home for him. Um, yeah. Like, he, he actually might not be bad in Phoenix, um, you know, if Durant needs to take a night off or a couple of these guys need to miss a few games. And he can be that spot starter, have a 20-point night, and then go back to the bench and fall out of the rotation in the playoffs. It'd yeah, be great I'll, I'll, the Lakers. Yeah. The Lakers kind of have Laser. a full rotation, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to hang out. But I was just going to say, it's a good thing for Phoenix that it's such a flush buyout market because you know they need like five guys in their rotation so maybe they can get all five well i do want i mean lakers have that full rotation thankfully finally it's not just guys that are sub buyout guys now because uh, the lakers pulled off another trade they got actually they pulled off a couple of trades at this deadline mm-hmm. um i was real upset at one point because uh, i did not like the losing of Thomas Bryant, I, I liked what he's been doing. But initially, Lakers trade Russell Westbrook, a top four protected 2027 first, and Juan Toscano Anderson to Utah, who sends Mike Conley to Minnesota. Minnesota sends Russell, D'Angelo Russell, not Russell Westbrook, back to L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jazz also send Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. To LA, so solid collection. I'm kind of pumped. I I think this is almost better than the Kyrie Irving deal, just from the aspect of like the Lakers keep going big star hunting. Let's get a big three, and I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think you want more pieces. Like you've they sacrificed way too much depth, way too much roster versatility in bringing in Westbrook, and this is kind of the undoing of that. Yeah, I mean that's a uh rare palinka win like they're they're few and few and far between but i think there's you know even as much as i'm a massive um um criticizer of palinka i think there's no arguing that this wasn't you know a a very nice deadline um for him now the the one thing that you may say is that the lakers acquired these guys who are not necessarily championship type of of players like d'angelo russell in the playoffs has massive liabilities um vando has some you know defensive upside but is maybe an offensive liability and you know and and, and so on but where the lakers are which is outside of the play-in like they need regular season help and they definitely upgraded like nate said and added multiple capable players for a couple guys who were you know, probably hurting them. So I think it is rare Palinka W. We talked about the Kevin Durant deal. We said it guaranteed a, to be a title contender. I think this this move for the Lakers guarantees a play-in spot. I think they're, they're going to jump up there for sure. Just a better, better regular season play. And... and, and TikToks are mad at me because I bash on Russell Westbrook too much, and I do, and I do, and I, maybe I'll leave it alone. But to get rid of him, that's I think that's probably the most important part of this. Well, they got rid of him 
And they brought back three rotation players for the cost of a top four protected pick, which I believe converts to seconds afterwards. Yeah, and that was was another nice piece of negotiation from Palenka to get prediction on that pick. Mm Mm-hmm. Disappointing from Ainge to get rid of three players that I, I you could have convinced me would be worth a first on their own. Maybe not Malik Beasley, but Vanderbilt and Conley to a contender. For all of that, just to get 2027 top four protected pick. Yeah. I'm whelmed. I do think Dylan touched on something that's really important here. None of the players the Lakers brought in have shown that they can play in the playoffs. None of them have handled big games. None of them really even been in big games i love what vanderbilt brings his hustle his energy could i see him cracking under playoff pressure and being completely unplayable absolutely he's already a non-shooter which the liability of having him on the floor with anthony davis is going to be masterful on defense the two of them are going to be you know stopping everybody but on offense he's going to shrink the floor you know there's not a lot of lot of spacing going on when he's out there so i could see that being a problem in the playoffs do you actually know who is shooting the best from three of the four players the lakers brought in because they did get another guy is it mo bamba mo bamba this season is shooting better from three than malik beasley or d'angelo russell how many how many is he trying to game he is launching 2.7 so almost three attempts a game that's not bad Uh, and he's making 1.1. He's at 39.8% from three. I have Bomba stock still. No one else does, and the Magic clearly don't. He has just insane physical tools. He's a massive person with crazy wingspan, and the fact that he doesn't defend the rim well is really strange. I can hate, I can acknowledge that he's bad now he's a Laker, but if the Kings had traded for him, I'd be like, we got the best backup defensive center he's so he's gonna he's gonna blossom into this this rudy gobert that can shoot yeah i think the thing with him is is that he will either block your shot or you will dunk on him like there's not much else threat like when you went up against dwight howard you could get taken out like you you were worried and I feel like guys are like, ah, you know, hey, I'm going to lay it up there and maybe he gets it, maybe he doesn't. Um, but it doesn't intimidate him. I don't think he's affecting guys' field goal percentage, even if he is getting blocks. On the typical side of this, I, at first I didn't understand it, but looking at the full trade once it came out, I, I liked this move for the Timberwolves as well to get Mike Conley kind of more stable traditional point guard because i think he's like seven and seventh in assists this season or something he's he's up there plus um plus those picks kind of adds back to their the arsenal they shelled out for gobert and I, it works better now and it works better for later that was good well, i think Nikhil alexander walker is a really interesting pickup for them because he shows moments of defensive intensity and flashes i mean i do not watch a lot of utah but the Utah that I do watch, when he gets out there, he's usually pretty, you know, solid. Like, you know, maybe he's just Josh Okoki again. But that is still a useful piece to get as kind of a throw-in. And at his age, why not? Why not take that gamble? I think the real losers here are Utah. And I don't understand 
why Utah did this deal because you've already touched on one factor. Danny Ainge, he's helping the Lakers. That feels like a trap or old man going senile. I'll let you decide. Um, but he's also potentially helping Minnesota when he has Minnesota's draft picks in the future. Like, I don't don't get why he wants to help them or send them picks or any part of this. It just feels like a really weird move. Maybe for Utah, they just it's not their time. And it's just part of the little teardown. And maybe the value for Malik Beasley wasn't very high at all. Not sure. I'd try to reason with it, but I don't, I just don't think they got a lot. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you could have gotten the same package from someone else. I mean, what is this package? $40 million in expiring and one top four protected pick? Basically. Yeah. I mean, put it, put it this way. Um, with Danny Ainge, I think you can give him the benefit of, of the doubt that he took the best deal that was available to him. And so if, you know, he gets this disappointing package... I think it's reasonable to assume that there wasn't anything better that was being offered for these guys. And he took what was available, you know, a pick that could be five through 15 or whatever as a, as a reasonable um, asset. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's safe to assume that if this is what he accepted, that there wasn't anything else that was knocking down the door. I'm, I'm sure that he hates to help the Lakers. So the fact that he took this deal, I'm sure means that it's the best deal that was available. Fair. You guys ready for the next trade? <clears throat> I, I want to just touch on the other two Lakers trades real quick, or at least ahead. briefly mention what they were, in that the Lakers traded Thomas Bryant for three second-round picks uh, and then traded two of those second-round picks and Pat Beverly for Mo Bamba, to which, I'm just saying, we couldn't have... Why do we have to get all these second round picks? So many second round picks moving. Couldn't we have just gotten Bones Highland? I don't. I don't understand why why Bones had to go to the other LA team because I really wanted Bones. To, I like Bones. To, to make it to make it better, Denver gave up more to get Thomas Bryant than they got back for trading away Bones. They got they got two seconds for Bones and traded three for Bryant. I do think that these actually ended up being the same seconds. I know the Thomas Bryant deal was reported first, but I think when it all shook out, I want to say the Lakers now have the Clippers seconds. This is, is how this worked out. Um, but do you mind if we touch on that as our next trade? Uh, just kind of an overall, what did the Clippers do? Because they picked up Bones for two seconds. They also made another move, right? Let me find it. We had a three-teamer between the Clippers, Memphis, and Houston, where Clippers got Eric Gordon and three second-rounders. Memphis got Luke Kennard, and Houston got Danny Green, John Wall, and a first-round pick swap with the Clippers, top six, top six protected this year. Plus, yeah, it's a four-teamer. Clippers got Bones Highland, Denver got Thomas Bryant, Lakers got two seconds from the Clippers and Mo Bamba, Magic got Patrick Beverly and a second-round pick, and Cash. Lakers also got uh, Davon Reed. Yay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to say, I watch a fair amount of Denver. Don't remember Davon Reed doing anything. <laughs> if, if this was the Lakers team from a week ago, Davon Reed would be a starter, okay? That's true. Hurtful, but true? <laughs> that Beverly deal, I was driving to school at the time when it happened, and I laughed out loud. Just 
<laughs> it, it was hilarious. It was so funny. Um, Beverly just loves every city he plays for. He's like, he, ble he was bleeding purple and gold, and they just shipped his <laughs> ass out from Obamba. Do you, I want the Lakers to now sign John Wall, so that way they can have Mo Bamba and John Wall, and the two can debate who has the better song. Yeah. That's the John Wall song. Don't get Nate started. It, it might not have made its way to New Zealand. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's very much in the Soldier Boy, as, like, do, teach me how to Dougie essence, but it's, it's do the John Wall. Uh, and it, it has like a whole flex dance to it. Right. Do the John Wall well. Remember that. Do the John Wall. John Wall. John Wall. Yeah. Nice. I hate it. <laughs> fair. Fair. It's not a very lovable song. Um, but I, I really actually, I'm much higher on the Clippers moves. I mean, I like getting Eric Gordon for them. You know, he, I don't actually think he's a better shooter than who they gave up, up in Luke Kennard. But I think he's probably a more playoff seasoned shooter, less likely to fall apart, less likely to get picked on. Um, getting Mace, or getting Plumley is huge uh, because Zubach has been kind of falling apart on them. So that's, that's another part really quickly. Clippers got Mason Plumley for Reggie Jackson in a second, which is just fucking bewildering. For the Hornets, I have no idea. I don't know what happened to the Mason Plumley um, trade value, but that's the 2028 20, seconds, not what I was anticipating. Because yeah, they're going to buy out Jackson. There should there should have been like ten more teams involved in this. Like with all the deals where guys are getting four first or four, five second round picks for guys. The fact that Mason Plumley goes for a single pick. It is wild. Like, what? Dallas doesn't have a second round pick. Doesn't doesn't want to give up two seconds. He would have been also nice the Lakers. Like Plumlee is better than Mo Bamba. They give up two seconds to get Bamba, and Plumlee went for one. Well, Denver. Denver doesn't want to get Plumlee you for a second in a, <laughs> yeah. in a bad contract. It's I mean, a terrible deal for the Charlotte. I have no idea what they're doing. He's expiring, so I get it. Like you just got to move him for something. But no one else was willing to give you his two seconds. Like, what did Toronto? You've got all the deals pulled up. What did Toronto end up giving for Jakob Podol? Hurdle. Tim Birch, a top six protected first round pick in twenty twenty four in two seconds. So a top six protected and. Two seconds, and Plumley gets Plumley gets one second, and you have to buy this guy out of a contract. Well, you're talking about Michael Jordan. You're talking about just, just a terrible. I don't. I, I, it hurts me. That's just that was a ridiculous move. Um, you guys want to go a minute each or something on how do you feel about the new look Clippers and the new look Lakers? Wait, I want to go a minute on Michael Jordan because have you heard the conspiracy <laughs> of Jordan? <laughs> Making trades to improve teams uh, in LeBron's title path. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he, he he came through again. Maybe that's all this is. Is that LeBron just really? Yeah. It's like all right, we're just gonna keep boosting the West. He, he's like shit. How, the Clippers need to defend Anthony Davis. I'll send them the Anthony Davis stopper for one second round pick. 
no one will notice. Be subtle. <laughs> I I think that these Clippers are great. I think the Clippers, you know, probably by the time we even post this podcast, will have made another move in signing either Westbrook or John Wall or whoever else. I guess not John Wall because they just traded him. Um, but in signing one of the guys that gets bought out, maybe Danny Green. Like Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly. They, they've back. got a I, lot of options. I'm so fucking sorry, Dylan, that you might have Russell Westbrook <laughs> on this team. After, Don't you put that on me. After title hopes, you came into this season, you said the Clippers should be the favorites, and then you guys would be cursed with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, but cur- listen, if you get him on a buyout, that means you're paying him like a million dollars. I would pay him negative money to go away. <laughs> <laughs> can Obama give him $10 million to stay in Utah? Can he offer to pay his salary to keep him on the Jazz? Guys, Westbrook still does okay things. It's the problem is that no, he, he does... The problem is that he does too many bad things that outweighs the okay things. <laughs> but, like, if you have him on a minimum and you can tell him fuck off whenever you don't want him doing these things and you can bench him, like... You can't bench is... him. He's gonna he's gonna sit out. You have Fine, to play, you, ha- you have to play rust ball. If you, do you want that in your in your locker no, no. room? You're trying to win a when title, he... and it's it's the second round, and and Westbrook's gonna take five threes, and you're like, well, it's gonna bench when rust. And the... Breaks a chair and then runs and away. The star <laughs> players and the star players are gonna be advocating for him to play. Like you can't like just sit him on the bench or keep him out of the rotation because mm-hmm. the star players want him to play. Other well, players already endorsed that Westbrook is good. Listen, when he's making forty-four million, you have to play him. You've invested too much. It's when he's making a million. If this doesn't work out, you cut his ass. I guess I'd say just it, having Westbrook on the team puts a ceiling on on what you no, can do. It, it really does. Relying on Westbrook puts a ceiling, but if you if you don't need him and he's just there for the couple of minutes where you need or want to play him like he's not agreeing to that he's not signing that contract when you bring him in he's gonna be like i'm playing every game right and you're like well and he's like okay fuck you i'm gonna go sign with yeah. someone who will play me Paul George's in the room, he's like fine no, like, he, he, he comes in ruins your chemistry pisses off the players and then you cut him like <laughs> this is just nate trying to sabotage the clippers season i, I don't, I don't want bomber any... sees the bomber listens to our podcast <laughs> and he's like oh, russell westbrook good there is a chance there there is a chance that he stays in utah that report has come out that he's open to playing and utah's open to keeping him and i'm like please please like is this just tanking does does he really not realize what this is like okay okay they're just gonna go all in on westbrook which westbrook with lowry and olenic as floor spacing big men isn't a horrible idea I love it. Do you guys think Russell Westbrook's going to play when he's 38 years old? Because I made a video saying I would eat batteries on TikTok Live playing the NBA <laughs> at 38. He's 34 right now. I feel pretty good about it. I also, you know, was looking up what happens when you eat batteries. Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea, man. He's not making it to 38. There's no way. No, maybe 36. <laughs> On just some some weird contracts, but I think by thirty seven, like okay. I think low key Russ loves money. I think that's why he's staying in Utah is because if he gets bought out, he loses his bird rights and he can only sign for you know a minimum or a MLE. 
Whereas if he stays in Utah, he keeps his bird rights so that he can, you know, some team will have to pay him more. I like money. I would do that. Okay, yeah. Um, any any thoughts about the new look Clippers, new look Lakers? How do you feel, Dylan? I texted I texted our group chat, and you said a mildly concerned face, like not like frowny face, but not thrilled face, slightly disappointed face. Yeah. So coming into the trade deadline, what I really wanted and what Kawhi wanted, and I think probably what the front office wanted as well, was a good point guard who could shoot and defend. And so Fred Van Vliet was the you know, the ideal target. Obviously Toronto decided to get Jakob Pertl and then do fucking nothing else. Um, the Clippers were in discussions for Pat, for um, Kyle Lowry, um, but it sounds like the deal was basically done, but Pat Riley needed to sign it off and he was having a nap. Um, <laughs> and and so what, it, you know, initially as the deadline ended and we didn't get that point guard, I was really disappointed, but there's a, a really good quote from Lawrence Frank that I think, you know, explains it perfectly. He said, if there was a point guard that could be in our top eight or nine, we looked at those guys. Someone who won't be played off the floor defensively, play on ball but not so ball dominant, got to be able to shoot. That's what he That's what he said that they were looking for and that that wasn't available. And so then the decision came, do you get a guy who is not is, is a point guard but is not one of those guys, you know, a, you know, just a backup point guard who gets played off the floor defensively, holds the ball too much, you know, we just got rid of John Wall for that reason. Um, or do you just say, forget about traditional positional roles let's just get a guy who can be in our top eight and so that's the option that they took there wasn't a point guard available who could have been in their top eight but eric gordon can shoot and can defend and is versatile enough to play a couple different positions um and so i think overall like the team did get better even if they didn't achieve my goal that i set out for them and it's the return of eric gordon that's awesome and they got bones highland let's yeah, I'm this? not super high on bones. Well, but the the quote is that, hey, we're not going to get someone that can't be in our top eight or nine. They did. They did go get someone that can't be in their top eight or nine. Uh, when it okay, comes they, to like the second round. They have, they have eight players apart from bones who can be in their top eight, so it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And, and, and like the upside of bones, to get bones for two seconds, you know, if he gives you anything, great. If not... It's two seconds. What, what do they matter? They don't. Did you hear the great airplane anecdote with Bones? No. So he um, stormed off the bench in frustration during a game in Denver. And so to punish him for that, they, you know, to try to teach him a little bit of, um, what's what's the word here? Um, professionalism, I guess. They made him take a commercial flight um, back to Denver or wherever. Yeah, they wouldn't let him go on the team play, and they said, "Not nah, you go get a commercial flight. This will teach you some humility." And so, when the Clippers traded for him, Balmer sent a private jet to go and pick up Bones. So he went from flying commercial to private jet touching down just to pick him up. Yeah, there's going right. to be this doesn't sound good. There's going to be a playoff <laughs> series, you know, clutch moments at Game Six. Bones Highland is going to wave off Kawhi and Paul Jory. He's like, I fucking got this. Watch this shit. <laughs> but he's talented. I think the price they paid for him, super cheap. You go for that. I don't love him on the floor in the finals. But 
I guess that's why Denver got rid of him. They 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 yeah. probably didn't love that either. They want and, people and, that they're all in. And and like I said, to expand on your point, referring back to my point, yes, he shouldn't play, or maybe he has massive deficiencies that will hurt him in the in the finals. Um, he will help you in the regular season. Like he's a guy that can put up buckets and can fill in some bench offense during the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs in the finals, if he's not playable, the Clippers have eight other guys who are. And so he's a guy that you can minimize, who can help you in the regular season and that you can minimize and play more Batum, more Eric Gordon, more Robert Covington in the playoffs. That's what I'm saying about Russell Westbrook. (laughs) Sabotage. I do want to touch on Denver. Russ, Russ. Russ, we'd love to have you. It's just that our rotation's kind of filled up right now. We just don't really have the spot. You know, we would love to have you. You know, you're, you're such a talented player. It'd be really good for our team. Um, but we just don't have the minutes available. You know, we, we've got a full rotation. I do want to touch on the Denver side of things because they kind of, I, I mean, they address their biggest need with Thomas Bryant, uh, getting a actual backup center, someone who can be in their rotation. Um, but they still don't have much by means of depth. Giving up Bones Highland, I think, hurts them. Um, and, the, they, and they didn't replace what Bones was giving them. Like, are they just going to play Ish Smith 30 minutes now? Let's see what the buyout market. We can save our concerns for next week's pod and all the, the buyouts have settled. <laughs> Maybe they got Patrick Beverly. It's like, eh, there you go. I mean, if they bring in Pat Bev and Danny Green, I think Danny Green being on the buyout market needs to be higher on everyone's list of like i think denny green to phoenix is perfect for for both sides what what team is he not perfect for though yeah like a three and d player you you put him in denver next to Jokic, perfect great you put him in la yeah we've we've seen how danny green in la already works boston does boston need another wing defender probably actually milwaukee yeah. Is, are we sure Danny Green's still good? He's 35 and his leg exploded. He's he's moving well. Uh, okay. Memphis has played him the other day. His shot looks a little flat, like he's still kind of getting his legs under him. Um, but defensively, he was moving fairly well. I think by yeah. playoffs, and I mean, he'll be fine. And like, I don't think he's going to be a great on ball guy anymore. Like, he's he already was kind of moving past that. Um, before the injury, but like he's still going to be a great like team defender. Like he fucking you know he knows where to be. He knows where to help and you know coming at the nail. Still a great transition defender. So mm-hmm. like he may not be like your on ball stopper, but you put him out there with as part of a defensive um, you know lineup or, or you know part of a scheme, and he's going to be able to fill in and be additive. Get to the right place, make the right rotations. Yeah. I want to touch on the Raptors, just because we went into this trade line really expecting them to be the big sellers. They had every, every all the pieces everyone wanted, <laughs> and they bought. They went and got Jakob Pertl. They paid a first round pick to get better this year. They went completely a total zag in the opposite direction. What do you guys think of that? If I had to rank biggest winners and losers of the deadline, I consider the Raptors one of the biggest losers. I'm worried that Van Fleet's just going to walk. That, that's, that's why he was so movable, is because he's going to be free agent after this year, if I, if I remember that correctly. And he didn't accept their contract extension, and you run into 
does he want to play for this team? Yeah. Maybe and, they feel comfortable they're going to resign him, but I, I, I like the price they paid for Pirtle, and if they want to get better, I think that was the right thing to do, but it was a strange choice. And and also now, like, you add Pirtle, like, who the hell is starting for this team? Like, you can't even start all your guys. You know, like, you, are you going to play OG and Anobi at the fucking two guard? Like, that, <laughs> that's not a good lineup. Like, is OG coming off the bench? So, like, you could have got three first-round picks for a guy, maybe, I don't know. A couple first-round picks, surely, for OG. And and now you're going to bring him off the bench? Like, that's not good business. Nah, don't worry. They won't all be healthy at the same time. That's, if we've seen <laughs> anything from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. OG's hurt at the moment anyway. It doesn't matter. I, I made the push that they should try to trade Pascal um, to Portland. And, and I think Portland is my other biggest loser. These teams that are hanging out, kind of even like 8 to 12 range. But that want to be contenders. Yeah, Portland is outside of the playoffs at the moment, and they got worse. Yeah, like they they want to be good. They're not good, and they got worse. That was well, really strange. And Toronto's in pretty much the exact same spot, um, except for they've got more younger talent. And so I thought it made more sense to try to sell off their older guys, reformat around the young guys. Um, Portland kind of did that. They sold off Josh Hart for what will most likely be four second-round picks. Um, they tried to sell off Gary Payton. We'll, we'll touch on that in a second. But hmm. I think the inaction of those two teams, Portland and Toronto, they're my biggest losers. They're the teams I am the most disappointed in for not doing, not doing literally anything. 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 Hmm. Looking at that full trade, Portland's bringing in Matisse Thibault, Cam Reddish, Ryan Archidiakono. And they did get a first-round pick, but it's a lottery protector from New York for this season, so they got a first out of this. They also got the draft rights to Ante Tomic, a 35-year-old two guy, which Ooh. is awesome. Um, Look at that bring size. Him, bring him over, man. He's ready for the NBA. <laughs> I think he's trying... Wait, wait. Who's older, him or Nurkic? Oh, Nurkic is... I mean, Nurkic isn't even 30 yet, is he? No, he's not. All right, so, so he is older than Nurkic. Good job. But Josh Hart was really good. Is he older That's, than the coach? <laughs> no, no, Billups is 46. Um, Josh Hart was really good, and I, I loved that pickup for the Knicks. I worry, I worry about Josh Hart and what Tibbs is going to do to him. But that was the only trade, really, where an Eastern Conference team got better, where the, the West kind of unloaded to the East. But yeah, I yeah. don't understand. I don't think Thibault is interesting. I wanted Thibault for. Sacramento, but I think it's a good team for him for Portland. Josh Hart was good, and now they're a worse team. Yeah, I mean, like I don't hate the move in a vacuum. Like Josh Hart for a first round pick, I think is pretty reasonable value. Oh, it's yeah. just that, like for this team where Dame is another year older, he's having an awesome season. Like you know, Dame hasn't fallen off at all yet, but you're gonna waste an entire another season of him as he's late, getting really late in his career. Like, he doesn't have too many more of these awesome seasons left, and you're wasting a year because you got reasonable value. Like, you know, you're the, you're the freaking 12 seed, and you're trying to win. Like, you need to be adding players, not adding draft assets. Well, and adding players that can make a substantive difference. I mean, they also got Cam Reddish. Everyone's Reddish stock varies. I still have some Reddish stock. 
Um, but Reddish and Matisse Thibel, like they're great players to try and see if they fit next to Simons and Sharp. Why do you have Dame? Like, could you? Okay, let's let's get outside of the box. Let's flip Dame for Scotty Barnes. Come on, Toronto. Don't be a coward. Go all in. Dame, Pascal, OG, Fred Van Vliet, and Jakob. Like, that's that's a squad. That team can compete. But no, you guys both just sat in the middle. It felt like all the trades this season were everything or nothing. It's either paying 17 first for KD, or it was trading for Kevin Knox. That was the other thing Portland did. Is Although Gary Payton hasn't really played for them, and we talked earlier that this trade technically hasn't gone through yet, waiting on if Golden State is going to accept Gary Payton's physical. They got rid of Gary Payton for Kevin Knox. One, two, three, four, five seconds. And, like, that makes you worse again. You get more assets, but now you have Kevin Knox on your team. Like, this is an unequivocal loss. That, this deal was just so weird. Because... One, we're we're currently still sitting in limbo, where his failed physical may make the deal unvalid. Um, it is looking like the Warriors will still keep it. Um, like I, I just don't understand anyone's motives in this deal because initially, this deal was um, was reported as Warriors flipping Wiseman for Sadiq Bay, and I was like, ah. Okay, Bay does some shot creation. He can sp- spot and shoot threes. Um, you know, he's apparently getting too big for his britches in Detroit, which I think is hilarious that they're like, nah, he's doing too much, and we just want him to be a catch-and-shoot player. And I'm like, Pistons, you've got nothing. Just let him do whatever he wants. <laughs> and then as you start to get more, then then you can complain about him doing too much. Um, but I was like, this makes sense. And it was no, he's actually going to go to Atlanta. Um, and Atlanta is sending five second rounds f- for him. And I was like, man, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Like, I guess he's Bogdan um, insurance in case he leaves in free agency. Uh, but I actually, I don't think he cracks Atlanta's top nine. I think they've got a really solid top nine group. Uh, but, but okay, whatever. And then it became those five picks are going to Portland for Gary Payton. And I'm like, why, if you want to take a risk, which has higher potential upside? A former number two pick in Wiseman, who's not done well in the NBA, or five second, five to be determined second round picks? Like, why isn't this just a one, just... I liked it for Atlanta just because City Bay is pretty good and... For the Pistons, it's perfect. Like, holy shit, he's second overall pick. We're playing for nothing. Play him 38 minutes a game. He can make every mistake he wants, please. Like, we want this to go poorly and then go well later. I really hope this goes through just because it'd be awkward for everyone. Yeah, I mean, Draymond went on his podcast and, and put it perfectly, basically, that Wiseman isn't in a position in his career where he can play for a contributing team. Like, that's not good for his development, and it's not good for the team. Um, he needs to be somewhere where he can play and he can make mistakes, and Detroit is perfect for that. Yeah. So that's a, a win for him and, and for Detroit. For sure. Detroit just has so many other centers. 
Yeah, that's that's the one downside is like I don't want him taking Jalen Duran's minutes. Who cares? Play Jaren, play Duran at the three. It, it just go for what <laughs> go for Wembenyama, yeah, Wembenyama and 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 sink this. Uh, I mean, they've already been kind of doing that. I don't know if you've noticed Isaiah Stewart's <laughs> Jack and Threes. In the state of Michigan, you can get your learner's permit to legally drive a car at 14, 14 years and six months. We're going to go call it 14.5. Okay. Is Isaiah Thomas' three-point shooting percentage above or below 14.5 since January? Isaiah Stewart? Isaiah Stewart. You can drive a car to 14 and a half in Michigan? I was, I was just going to say, is that normal for the U.S.? <laughs> Am I the only one that was stunned by that? <laughs> is, that is that true, Nate? I love bringing up Michigan facts. Um, it's when you can get your learner's permit and you can drive with a parent in a car. That's 16 um, in California. Yeah. Uh, is, I say below. I don't think he's making any of those. Dylan? God, I hope it's above. <laughs> it is 14.8%. Okay. I am so, at the two. Who gives a shit? Laser. <laughs> our, our, our next trade is another head scratcher. The Pelicans got Josh Richardson from the Spurs for Devontae Graham and four second rounders. I don't know. I understand this for the Spurs. You get assets. How many wings do the Pelicans want? Because I love that their point guard position wasn't fantastic. And, and losing a point guard for a non-point guard was, was interesting. This was a salary dump. This was, I just want out of Devontae Graham because he is not playing and he is not useful. Uh, and he's got two more years at $12 million a year. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. I think it's, it's actually a pretty reasonable depth. value. Like if you were to say, you know, what's the value of just dumping three years of Devontae Graham's negative money? I mean, four seconds isn't that bad. And you also get back a player who can maybe play. Like you get his bird rights, you can re-sign him to a cheaper deal in the off season if he does play well and if not then you let him go and you you save you know you get the space from richardson expiring and you don't have to pay graham yeah i mean they're they're fine and the guards they got jose alvarado they got dyson daniels who looks great you know you want to play those CJ guys McCullough. in the finals <laughs> you're you not getting dyson. the finals in the western <laughs> conference finals, you can, that team can make the western conference finals and you want it, jose alvarado and dyson daniels Listen, they could have made the Western Conference Finals last week, but th this is a brand new West. Yeah, that's true. Uh, any other comments on that deal? Nah. My bad takes on it. All right. Phoenix got, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Phoenix got Darius Baisley from the Thunder for Dario Saric in a 2029 unprotected second rounder. Any comments? Concerns? Yeah, that's that's really big for OKC that they got an unprotected, you know, the <laughs> that, that second round pick has major upside and it's just that you know for them to get it unprotected that's some great negotiation i actually love <laughs> love this move for okc because sarge they can play him a lot of minutes um sarge can rehabilitate there get back some of his value and then get flipped next off during the off season oh yeah. he's and, a free and, agent never mind <laughs> but they can re-sign with bird rights anyway. Um, well, the other thing for OKC is that their best units were when they played five out with Giddy, sorry, with Shea on the floor and Mike Muscala at center. Um, <laughs> they traded Mike Muscala for value, and now they've got him back, Sharich, to fill that role so they can still be a good team, put out that lineup, and play five out with the big man that can kind of shoot. 
Um, that was the next value coming and value going. Yeah, why don't you give us the terms of that deal? Mike Muscala for Justin Jackson, a second rounder this year in a 2029 unprotected second rounder from Boston. I I like it for uh, for both teams. I think it's value for Muscala, and I can picture Mike Muscala playing. You know, maybe takes the he takes the Blake Griffin minutes if Griffin Griffin's knees rust. Yeah. Mike, Mike Muscala has already played for them, and he had like 12 points in 15 minutes. Like, is... at, in, the, in the regular season where you don't want to put too much of a toll on Horford and Rob Williams, and you kind of need like a third center, and Blake Griffin and Cornet have been pretty bad, like, he's good to go out there, and he's like a good offensive player. Like, he's never going to play high-level minutes because he's a bad defender, but like, he, he can fucking shoot the ball. Like, you put him out there with other good players that can maybe cover up for his mistakes a little bit, and he just, you know, eats minutes in the regular season and helps your offense. Like, that's that's fine. That's good. You guys so, know what year Mike Muscala came into the league? Uh, 2014. That's right. Nice. I just, he won't go away. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a big man that shoots threes. Yeah, he has been. For his, uh, he wasn't really shooting him in the beginning, but he he got that skill and he's played 476 games. He started just 25, 15 minutes a game. He's he is the the permanent backup big man. But I like it for Boston. You want to add those pieces because if you like combined Al Horford, Rob Williams, Cornet, and Blake Griffin, you get one healthy All Star center. But those guys, Horford is older, and Rob Williams has any issues, and I don't think you want to play Cornet and Griffin at all in the playoffs. So it's a good addition. Yeah, I mean, we saw it last night. 16 minutes, four for eight from three. If he has one playoff game where he hits four threes, this is well worth its price. Absolutely. All right, I have a barn burner for you guys. Houston got Justin Holiday, Frank Kaminsky, Frank the Tank, two second-round picks, unprotected. Atlanta got Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando. Any comments? Any? How does this change the landscape of the NBA? <laughs> None of these players will play anything <laughs> meaningful. <laughs> All right. Slopes. That's it. That's everything that happened. A- Atlanta saved some money. I, we didn't get a chance to touch on Milwaukee getting Jay Crowder. I think we briefly yeah, yeah. mentioned it as part of the, mm. the larger deal. But just from a Milwaukee perspective, this is the right piece. This is the guy that they needed, the guy they were rumored to get the entire season. And then it finally got him. Um Good, good for Milwaukee. And at, at, at a pretty low cost, too. They didn't have to give up a first-round pick, and they got a guy that can potentially start and close for them. Yes, they just had to give up five second-round picks in order to offload enough salary that he... I don't know if this puts him below the, the luxury line, or where, where exactly no, they, they put him. But... I think they added money. I think they are, they are deep in the tax. The, 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 the biggest win they are deep was... In the tax. Um, I don't know why they were trying to move off of everyone then. <laughs> the the big win for the Bucks was but um or Holzer can't play George Hill in the playoffs. Got right. He can't do it. Even if he tried. Even if he well, he looks over to the bench, he's like, Where is an old point guard that can't play? And you're not there. Listen, Javon Carter looks old. I'm a Javon Carter fan. I am too, fan. but like you know when they tell you a player's time. age? And you're like, that player's younger than me? Or like, that player's... Like, like I look at him, I'm like, how am I older than Javon Carter? I don't feel like I should be. I don't feel like I should be. 
It's like the Greg Oden syndrome, where it's like, are you sure that guy's not 45? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that's everything that happened. That is not as crazy when you look at it just on paper. No, but it, I think that there's like five contenders that got in, that helped their cases. Shall we talk about them? Well, I, there was one thing that I wanted to do with this, was just have us kind of round robin pick the top ten contenders, which does mean... Whoever goes first will get a fourth pick, but um, yeah, I, I just thought it would be kind of interesting to see who we were feeling about title favorites post deadline. Nate, would you like the first pick? Oh, absolutely not. Okay, I'll take the first pick. <laughs> Good, I like that. I'm taking, I'm taking Phoenix. Oh, I'm taking Phoenix nice. as the favorite. You add Kevin Durant. This team was was on fire before Booker went down. Bring Booker back. Add Kevin Durant to it. I don't. I don't see who's getting in the way of that. All right, All right. Dylan. Oh, Dylan. Dylan, you're yeah. up. Um, I'll yeah. I'll save the Lakers fan from having to choose the Celtics, and I'll take Boston. Ah, oh, shit. I was gonna, I was feeling really confident with Boston actually. <laughs> that's, that's who I was gonna go for. Um, I, I'm gonna play it safe, and I'm gonna say Milwaukee is still up there. That's a good pick. They've been on fire. They're 39 and 17. Yeah, I mean, since Middleton's come back, he's been really helpful to have. Um, and then the Joe Ingles addition has looked really nice. His ball movement and spacing, they can actually play a big lineup with him kind of being the de facto point guard. Him, Middleton, mm-hmm. Giannis, Bobby Portis, and Jay Crowder. Like, that is a big lineup that works. I'll take Denver. Yes, Denver's still making it. I think they should be on there. And they still have Jokic playing just unbelievable basketball. He's leading the league in assists right now. And their pieces around them are fantastic. His second option last year was Will Barton. That guy just got waived by the Wizards. He's the, he is, he's gone. That guy was the was the number two on, on Jokic's team last year. I think things are much better for him this year. Hmm. I think there's a big drop off here, um, potentially, and so I'm just gonna take the Russell Westbrookless Los Angeles Clippers. Does that change if uh, Westbrook's on the team? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Clippers off the board. Okay. I mean, I think that's I think that's fair. I think the Kawhi Paul George duo is starting to click. Kawhi's minutes have crept back up to normal. Um, like 30-ish a night. They've got some of the most depth in the league. Huge amounts of roster versatility. Yeah, like if Kawhi and Paul George just fucking play, then we're good. Um, that's a big question as to whether they will and how long, how deep into the playoffs they will, but if both of those guys play, then we're good. See, now you've set me up. Because I think the six is where it starts to get reasonable to take the Lakers. Oh, no, it's the not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Follow, follow, follow your heart, Nate. They've got the, the league's all-time leading scorer. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, I don't trust Dallas. I don't trust this, that Kyrie's actually going to play sure. in the, their other pieces. Philadelphia might be the most logical pick. Just, hey, they're the highest team with the most wins left at this point. Um, Memphis, same sort of deal. I mean, we never really touched. They got Luke Kennard. 
um, who can I love that for them. Yeah, it's a great shooter, great floor spacer. John loves the shooters. Yeah, I mean they can put him and Bane out there at the same time. Ah, they're just so young. I'm I'm playing safe. I'm gonna take Philadelphia, who I guess we never really touched on them getting McDaniel's. Oh yeah. Who yeah, else did they get? They got someone else, didn't they? Let me find that real quick. I did. That was part of the Josh Hart thing. Yeah. You got Jalen McDaniels in two seconds, and Charlotte got Svitislav Mikhailuk for yeah. in two seconds as well. I think I think that's a good move for them. They got a they upgraded players and got assets. I think McDaniels mm-hmm. in the playoffs is probably slightly more playable than than Thibault He's not a net zero on offense or a negative on offense. He's not hitting his threes that well, but he is launching them. I God, I want to say he was really knocking him down against the Lakers, which is why I probably think of him as a great three point shooter. It's Doc Rivers syndrome. It's it happens when, when when Doc Rivers was the GM and he just trade for every player who had a good game against the Clippers. Like you, you see guys, <laughs> you know, in small sample <laughs> sizes, and you you think they're better than they are. Oh no! It was t- the Boston game that I was watching, and that he was five for seven. Yeah. I mean, Matisse Thibault's probably never hit five three-pointers in a game in his life. So He's probably never taken five three-pointers in his life. <laughs> point. So it's an upgrade. And I'm going to go that. with... I'm going to take Memphis. I'm doing it. Shane and Sharp ruined their lives. One day they'll regain their confidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Between that and the Indiana incident, I'm just... I, I want to see them prove it. I think they've got all the talent in the world. Um, and God, I was watching them play Indiana and Jaron Jackson Jr. was being a force on offense, which like he, he blocked multiple shots, got a couple of steals in the third quarter, but he also had like 13 points in the third. It was just, just fantastic mm. to watch. Beautiful. Golden State falling out of the sky. I think on the, on some podcasts I listened to something Bill Simmons affiliated with, I think Kevin O'Connor took them like third. They did a similar exercise. Someone took them, and they were like, yeah, Golden State. They're, they're the favorites out West, and I, I think that's kind of crazy. I, I thought we were just banking that they'll figure it all out instantly, but they've been just an average team, a 500 team this year. Dylan, are you going to uh, take them? Yeah. Like, I, I still think that if they're healthy, they're, I mean, they would maybe be the favorite if they're healthy. Like, of, of all the teams that we've listed, the history of the NBA is that to win a championship, you're elite on one end of the floor and quite good on the other end of the floor. Like, how many of the teams that we've gone through can you actually say that about? And I think you can say that about the Warriors if they're healthy. Like, their starting lineup when they play together, you know, their their main five is still destroying teams. It's still one of the best lineups in the NBA. And they've improved their depth on last year. If they're healthy, they can be, like, top five on both ends and they could be a championship contender if Curry is, is back and, and feeling good. Now is it reasonable for me to take the Lakers? Leave in yourself. Leave in the Lakers. <sighs> just, I'm, I'm yeah, just looking here. It's a fair spot, you know, looking at everything. Your options are the Cavs, you know, I, 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 like, I think I still like the Cavs or uh, the Blazers or like the Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think we'll take the Lakers at this point. I, I do have some serious concerns. Um... Just with the streakiness of Westbrook and Beasley, like there's no reason why they can't have a four-game stretch where they shoot 
50% from three, and there's no reason why they can't have a 25% shooting stretch that shoots them in or out of a playoff series. I love what that Vanderbilt brings on the defensive end, but his limitations on offense, already touched on, could be exploited. Uh, and I really just don't trust Mo Bamba. I think he's got a lot of talent and potential, but this will be his first time sniffing the postseason. If the Lakers do get there, which is no guarantee. I mean, right now they are six games below 500. Um, also five games back of being the fifth seed. So, you know, five and a half on being the four seed. Like there's there's so much room for this to vary that I, I'm not ruling them out, but I'm not confident in their ability to actually compete. I think you know, it's a fair pick with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Take that pick. I'm going to go with the Cavs. They, they have the best defense in the league right now in our top 10 on offense, like Dylan was saying. That's important. Is it surprising that the Cavs didn't do anything? A little bit, but I think they're good enough where it's okay. I think they, you want that upgrade in the in the Levert position, but if it's not there, don't overpay for, for something you don't love. Um, I think they're mm. plenty. They, they can still contend with, with with him on the team, with him off the team. Donovan Mitchell could be an awesome lead scorer on a playoff team, and they have the defensive uh, capabilities around him to make it work. See, I really thought that they were going to do something because Kevin Love has just completely fallen out of the rotation. Like, he has not played in their last nine games. Just completely out of the rotation. Not an injury thing. And I'm like, he's got $28 million in expiring money. You couldn't find someone with a bad deal that wanted wanted off of it and trade him for Kevin Love? Yes, no? How many teams are we at? Seven? That's that's ten. That's ten? Yeah, I lost count. <laughs> is, is there anyone else that you guys, you know, you look up in June and you're like, ah, I can't believe they won or I yeah I can I can believe they won it's got to be Dallas the wild you know I think you can't get a few good months out of Kyrie and if he, he buys in you have Kyrie and Luca I don't love the roster around them but they whooped on the Kings last night I texted my dad making fun of the players the Mavs were starting and then they dropped 45 points in the first quarter on us so. yeah fr- freaking Kyrie um without Luca beat the Clippers and he had like that was like his first day in Dallas like he hadn't even had a chance to practice with the team and they beat us I think this is really interesting that we picked six seven if you want to count Dallas seven Western Conference teams and just four Eastern Conference teams whereas I think if we had done the same exercise before the deadline I don't know that we would have found that many Western Conference teams like I was not liking Phoenix's chances as a contender. I was not liking you know, um, the Lakers, Lakers' chances, certainly, as a contender. Dallas. You know, Dallas. Those three teams flipped it on us. Looking yeah. at the East, it's the seventh seed is the Knicks. The fifth seed is the Nets. They're out. Heat have a, cannot score. They're one of the worst offenses in the league. The Knicks aren't Heat, that good. And Heat did absolutely nothing. Heat, Heat like, saved some luxury tax, and that was their only move. Yeah. Well, they couldn't make a move because Riley was sleeping. <laughs> uh, all right. Good place to end. Aaron, mm. where can the people find you? Possible chairs on TikTok. Dylan, where can the people find you? I'm going back to bed, man. It's fucking early. And you can find <laughs> us all here on the Hoops Temple podcast. And you can find me on TikTok, Hoops Temple. It's a good follow. Go yell at him about Tari's Maxi. 